Welcome to Under the Influence. Welcome to this episode of Under the Influence. Today, our guest is Henry Han. Henry is an active social media user. He often uses Instagram stories, close friends feature, and his private Finsta account to share parts of his life with those that he trusts. Henry's also dabbled within the social media influencer field, something that we will dive into more today. Thanks so much for joining us today, Henry. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me today, Michelle. Yes. Missed you. You missed you. Um, for all of those listening, this is a real treat because to get this set up was hell and high water um, to be able to get the audio working, the Zoom working, all this stuff. So you're really blessed that Henry is here today and somehow we've made it work. Um, so Henry, how would you define your relationship with social media? um honestly in terms of me I would say um it's not a healthy relationship like most people you know what I mean um I feel like yeah it's not a healthy relationship definitely I mean I'm honestly just on Instagram I feel like Facebook kind of phased out and it's for Mm -hmm. the older older audiences um but in terms of um Instagram I mean there's so much on there like you're comparing your body with so many celebrities comparing your faces with so many celebrities and on top of that you get ads on how to small things even just like getting like a perfect lip or like lip lip enhancers to clothes and all that so it's not just bad for my mental health because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people but also bad for your wallet you know what I mean (laughs) yeah totally um how often do you like do you buy things off of Instagram ads Oh, I, I do. I mean, I don't buy it specifically from Instagram, but you know, when you're like scrolling through stories and then there'll be like an outfit that's really cute that the company will be advertising. Yeah, I definitely will follow them. And then I, I will get back to them like I did today, actually. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've noticed that like anything I look up, it mm-hmm. automatically just come even if I'm not using it on my phone I like look up something on my computer it automatically just shows up in my Instagram yeah I mean that's a funny story like you know how you say something and you're not on the app and then you'll find that on the app mm-hmm. yeah. that's something I used to do for movie marketing where you you ping people where if you hear someone say something like about a movie or a product you get to ping them if you're in the right vicinity so they really are listening to you on your phone. Okay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So when <laughs> um when you say ping them, can you explain that or go into more details about that? Yeah. 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 So um, basically, um, if a certain amount of people in the region that you're in um, have said or even typed up or like on another app, like let's say for movies, you like clicked on a certain movie. Then for me, when I was doing movie marketing for one specific company, we would literally just, if those people were in our vicinity, we would just shoot them out like a couple ads um, playing our movies. Because if it was like an opposing movie, um, like same genre, but like clashing, like, you know, clashing interests, like Mm -hmm. one seemed a little more 
a little more um, interesting than the other concept, then we would automatically send them an ad to our trailer so that they can like compare and contrast. Okay. So like sense. if someone was looking up like DC comics or like Superman and you, you would send, and if you were, the movie was like a Marvel movie, you would send them a Marvel movie. Exactly. Ad. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, and what other things, um, well, two questions. So what is, how big was the region that you're talking about? Like how, like, is it like a hundred miles? Um, is it like a city or? Um, for me, it was just in um, the greater New York City area. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Instagram obviously operates a different way. It depends on like what you're liking and mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know, but I'm not too sure how Instagram works, but I know that when you do see those ads, it is, it is made in a way that suits you. They, they do listen in. Mm -hmm. And with, um, with specifically the movie marketing that you did, would it be something like, would the person just need to be looking up movies? Or if we go back to the Marvel example, if someone just looked up, um, I don't know, like comic book or like something not like maybe even like three tiers away from it. Like exactly, exactly. Yeah, so if you've ever looked up on Google, like, um, his, like, uh, like movies about like an autobiography, like movies about someone's life, then immediately we would sort you into Art House, which is what my movie company was, it was Art House. And from there, we would basically just sort out um, what level you are in terms of how interested you are to how not interested you are. And we would first shout out to the people who are not interested the most because those are the people we need to capture. And then we would work our way up basically. Okay. Okay. And so I guess, I guess um, what I'm wondering is like, if, okay, like if the movie is obviously the movie company you work for, I, I, I'm assuming has a lot of movies, right? Like they have a whole repertoire of movies that mm -hmm. they're, um, so if I looked up like tree, would I get, and they had like gardens of the galaxy, would I get like an ad for that? If I just looked up tree because of like group? Only if, only if you looked up tree and you clicked on the link for gardens of the galaxy. Okay, got it. Yeah, then they would probably do something more, a little less discreet by like posting it on your Instagram or posting it on like your Twitter, let's say. But they definitely, I don't think they would crawl into the Facebook space. Okay. So this, these ads can be, they could put them wherever. They could put them on Google. They could put them on your social media. They had all that access. Mm -hmm. And that's just really what they exactly. paid for. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. Um, I mean, I guess it's not crazy. It's expected at this point, but that's really yeah, interesting. It's so yeah. Expected. Yeah. Mm. So, um, just kind of along that line, I feel like I, I spoke with someone a while ago about this, but so if I'm, I want to know, I guess your, your opinion on it. So if I'm traveling, for example, I'm driving down the road, I'm on a whatever, and I'm, I'm hungry. And then for some, I like stop over and, or look at my phone. Um, not while I'm driving, I'm at a red light or something like that. I look at my phone and I get like an ad for like a Wendy's cause there's like a mile away, like Wendy's is like a mile away. And so then you kind of end up mm. going like that sort of subconscious idea. That yeah. It's like, going yeah, there. It's, it's, yeah, it's almost like reverse Pavlov. Like, in, yeah, it, like it's kind of like reverse Pavlov where instead of the person training you to look for something when you're hungry, they target you when you're hungry and train you to go somewhere. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. And so how do you think, because some people have made the argument that like, like I know someone that kind of exclusively only shops on Instagram via Instagram ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I don't really like shopping on Instagram ads. I, I've done it like once or twice. Um, cause mm-hmm. I feel weird giving them my data like voluntarily since they're yeah. like, you know, yeah. but a lot of the arguments is like, well, they're just kind of catering what you already like back to you. So you would probably exactly, like the things exactly. that they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. do you feel like, I don't know what, how do you feel like the role of manipulation or like the idea of manipulation factors into these kinds of targeted ads? Do you feel like it's fair it's, or? It's, I mean, if you look at it just from like, if we're playing devil's advocate, you can argue that it's fair because it's already stuff that you like. So you're not really being manipulated into it. They're just kind of like giving you like a little like push, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if you look at the other way, it is unfair because it's not just manipulating you. It's also, um, how do I say? It's not, all, it's not just manipulating you, but it's also taking away your information, your private information in order to gain this thing in order to build trust with you through the concept of manipulation. Does that make sense? Okay, walk me through it one more time. So it's kind of like, it is manipulation to a degree that more than manipulation, it's kind of like a control of your knowledge and like your likes and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's basically through the app, they're facilitating manipulation by knowing all of your close things, by knowing what you like the most. And so you could argue that it is manipulation on that point, mm-hmm. um, especially because it's not even like a friend doing it to you. It's more like an app trying to be a source of a friend and gain that trust okay. enough for you to buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I totally see what you're saying. And I think something that I kind of quarrel with is like, I get why people are saying, you know, like this is something that I already like and like they're just showing it to me, whatever. And like, it's within my interest. So like, why wouldn't, you know, it's like, it's like, um, like a personal shopper on, on the internet. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if, if you're already interested in something and then you kind of keep getting ads within that same vein, then aren't, it's a little bit like, don't we kind of keep in grouping? You just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm already like this thing. I'm going to keep going into this one thing um or this one group of things and only things that are tangential to it instead Mm. of looking at other stuff and I think about like othering and how in group like how you might not even be exposed to something else and maybe you have less of an interest of exposing yourself to something else because everything kind of in your digital sphere and maybe even in your physical sphere is so tailored to you yeah yeah um yeah, I do agree with you. It is like in grouping, but more than that, I feel like it's getting rid of our individuality. Does that make sense? Like you're so, everyone is so cohesively tied within a group. Like some people will get ads for fashion, some will get ads for video games and movies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like, you know, everyone's always like, I'm an individual, I make my own decisions. But once you're on Instagram, you're not making your own decisions someone's making them for you and you just happen to have a say on whether you want to reciprocate or deny that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I was just going to say like on the, like how much of a say, like how much agency do you have actually within 
that's fear. Like, wait, how much what? Agency. How many what? Uh huh. You know, like if if these ads are targeted, they're not just like random. We already established they're not random ads. Um, and the use of creating of it, them coming from a trusted, you know, a trusted source. Yeah. Um, like how much of that feeds into I know, like if whether or not you're going to click on it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is, is it really like free will to click on it? Yeah. Or to buy from um, it? That's a good question. I honestly think it's not free will. Mm-hmm. Honestly, because they, they make you think that it's free will because they're only catering to your specific needs. And so you think to yourself, oh, but this is still what I like. And so I have the agency to click on this. Um, and so you do. But once you get tangled up in that, you're kind of tied into like capitalism and and consumerism you know which is not at all individual individualistic um trait at all when it comes to free will and so once you get submerged in that I feel like the only free will you have is if you're going to purchase it or not purchase it like they give you free will step by step but at the end of the at the end of the day it's a game on Mm -hmm. how they can manipulate you into doing certain things and it doesn't really matter if you clicked on it and exited out they still now have a reference that you did that. And now they have that reference to show that if we keep pushing in more ads to them, then one day they might give up. They might just, they might fall for it one day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like how they, it's recorded, like how long you spend looking at an ad and like exactly, looking exactly. at a post or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to go back a little bit uh, to what you just said, um, just for some more clarification. When you say, free will and individuality aren't tenets within capitalism and consumerism. Can you dive a little bit into that or explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean like consumerism and capitalism is based on the fact or is only successful in the fact that um, there's gonna be a mass market, you know? And so um, when you give into mass markets, you're looking at what, like brand names, you're looking at the fanciest things out there. You're not looking to support like small creators you're not looking to support small businesses. You're looking to support how others will perceive you mm-hmm. through mass consumerism, you know? Like, you don't just wear Gucci because you like it. You wear it so that you can show off, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what you excuse yourself as free will, like, I have the money, I can buy this, I think it's cool. It also is tied in with the idea of, again, consumerism, where there's so many of these shirts printed out but you just want one of them because you can afford it so that you can show to other people that you can afford it. It's more like, it's not your opinion. It's your opinion being directly linked to how other people perceive you. Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's like you, you, you think you're buying this shirt. If I, let me know if, uh, if I'm understanding this right. So you think you're buying this shirt. Um, because you like it and I'm an individual and I have my individual taste, whatever, and I'm using my money to get what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, but really you're buying a shirt, you're buying into an idea, a group and you're buying, you know, I'm going to buy this Gucci shirt. And then I'm within this group of people that has this Gucci shirt and I'm in that. Group. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. There's this, um, there's this term called, I believe it was George Simmel, uh, who, who coined it, uh, but like, it's called like the cognoscenti, which is like, I see it um, in a lot in fashion. I think of it a lot uh, in regards to fashion, but yeah. um, it's very much like, if you're in the know, 
you're in the know, like taste acknowledges taste. So like how all designer brands, like the lower end sub designer brands, like Coach, Gucci, Versace, they have the logo printed all over it. But the high end stuff, the high end stuff doesn't have the logo anywhere because if you know, then you know. You know, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. That's why like even, I mean, I think about this all the time where since I have purchased things, I don't like to. (laughs) talk about it but I have purchased no flex yet (laughs) no no not at all but like because of that like you even though it's a smaller subset like group of people you're still trying to cater to one another you know Mm -hmm. like you don't like a Birkin bag you don't think you're showing off but like that is like top tier like without the logo everyone knows you know what I mean and so it's like it's a flex but in a subset of people where they want to cater to. It's not that they want to cater to everyone. They want to cater to a certain group of people only. Mm-hmm. And even that, there really is no free will. You know what I mean? Like you have the free will of buying it, but your thoughts and actions are not your own. It's because of what someone made trendy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think of it, um, yeah, I th- like even just like the word trendy or like trends, how fashion, I always think like it's really easy to be quote unquote, fashionable, to be trending, to be in trending or whatever, because you just buy whatever is on the mannequin. And then you're in this group that's like fashion forward, or I don't know if I would consider it fashion forward, but people that consume that may think, you know, like I'm in style, I have um, the latest trends, whatever, but it's, it's, it's interesting because that's like a huge market. Like that's like, people wanting to be individuals or maybe they, maybe they don't want to be individuals. I know people that just want to be like, they want to be basic. They're like, I want to look like yeah. everyone else. I want to fit in with everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or like some people that think they're buying something to maybe stand out or join one group, but like, because everyone's doing it, like it's not even everyone's doing it. So it's not an individual thing. You know what I mean? Like if, exactly. If, yeah, exactly. And then come, and then there comes into the question of if everyone in the world said had a luxury item, mm-hmm. you know I mean, if everyone had it, then and like no one has it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, it's like fashion is fashion, but at the same time, free will doesn't really go into it much after that, because then they start judging you on how well you look and how attractive you are in rel- uh, relative to the purse or the bag you have or the clothes you have, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they'll start judging you based on certain requirements after you buy that just to tear you a little bit more down. And so in that case, free will doesn't really exist because you can't control how you look um, unless you get plastic surgery. That's free will, I guess. But the face you were born with, the body you were born with, you can't, you can't control that. But then it becomes an even more subset of a group, more refined, more polished. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, even with plastic surgery, like, Someone else is, you know, the surgeon is controlling how you look. Also, the amount of mm. money you have controls how good the plastic surgery is. And exactly. that's a whole thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the idea that like, it brings you a notch down, I find so frequent in fashion. And I think like, we were talking about this earlier about playing on insecurities of people. And, you know, maybe you, you're like, you're never going to be at the top you'll maybe for like a second you'll get that Birkin bag and for a second you'll be like I'm you know I'm popping I'm at the top but then like what about the shoes 
there would be like another exactly. thing to get you down to be like, no, you need to exactly. buy this too. You need to buy this too. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that ties in once again, that like your purchasing um, habits is not free will because it's all about keeping up and keeping up and keeping up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fashion industry. So toxic. Yeah. Insanely. Yeah. It really sucks. Cause I mean, I mean, you know, I love fashion as like an art and like dressing mm-hmm. and I know you do too. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it stinks that the industry is really what it is. It's an industry. It, it's, it's not meant yeah. to promote creation. It's meant to promote uh, uniformity and like consumerism and like elitism. Exactly. And like, it's problematic too. I don't know if anyone else agrees with me on this, but like there was the first um, plus size. I don't, I don't like that word at all, but I don't um, like that word either. Right. Exactly. But it's like, what else, how else do you, how do you say that more PC? You can't say bigger because that's even worse. I think it's like just the, because to me, when people say plus size, it's like the similar thing when people are like, it's like when they're like abnormal, like what is normal? Like what is size? Why is this plus exactly, size? Exactly, it's just another size. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there was a woman who finally, um, let's say didn't fit the mold of today's image of model models. Mm-hmm. She finally got um, the cover of Vogue. But at the same time, it's almost as if like, it, it, it feels weird because it's like, are they really doing this to like support like the idea of body image or have we like shoved it in their faces so much at doing this out of like, like not out of spite. It's like a good marketing move. To. Exactly. And it's a good marketing move. So again, it ties again once into, oh, maybe I don't care about these people's opinions that we can sell more to these people. Have we done this? And then it does sell more to the people because they're trapped in this cycle of, oh, okay, maybe if we promote the good message more, then they'll make better stuff. But at the same time, it's like you're conflicted. Like your mind is like on one side, it's like, yes, good message. But another one is like more things for me too, right? It's like tied in directly, in my opinion. I Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that something, it's like, to me, it's like the difference between like intention and then like effect. And I feel yeah. like, you know, like the, the reverse side of that is like, you know, yeah, maybe they're just catering to a market. Maybe they don't actually care about inclusivity. Maybe they don't care about diversity and different bodies and body positivity, whatever. But because they're an influence and they put it up and even if, I, I don't want to like, I don't want to like say this word. I, I like sometimes it's like tokenism, right? Like maybe even if exactly, they're exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, maybe even if, the, but even if they're doing that, if they're influence that that has is still, you know, even if they, their intention or like if, if their intentions aren't pure and their intention just to make money, if the effect is still promoting diversity and promoting body positivity and like the consumer still feels that way, then yeah. like, you know, like, where does it lie? Cause are you going to be able to change the minds of these companies and like the people that run these companies? Not unless you become that person yourself. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we can't even say they're at fault for tokenism because tokenism exists in all facets of life. It, tokenism happens in dating and friend groups and, you know, so much more to- in movies, in books. It's just, yeah a different type of tokenism where it translates more into race 
than more into body body shape yeah 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 race, race tokenism is so like prevalent and it i exactly. think it's interesting now like with our current climate and our culture how you know like inclusive i keep hitting the table i told you before i was like don't hit the table and i've hit the yeah. table four times <laughs> um inclusivity and diversity are like tenets that the audience wants especially like the younger generation you know is so vocal yeah. about that sort of stuff um which is great but then i you know i think i think about how diversity is becoming like a tool for them to just say for these companies to just like kind of not be canceled for lack of a better phrase um oh absolutely absolutely i mean even in like let's say the modeling industry like they tokenism is a thing like they do mm -hmm. try to hire more black models and asian models but at the same time within that tokenism there's even a deeper problem where they're still only choosing women of a certain body shape of a to, that fits a certain mold you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it's, it's like yeah mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. I don't keep, start finish your thought, finish your thought. Oh, no, that's really, I'm just saying that like tokenism is deeply ingrained um, with the fact that how can we make this tokenism appreciated and easy to digest for the masses? And they usually do that in terms of body shape, in terms of how attractive they are, or in terms of like racial profiling, you know, like Asians are always that character that's like the funny side character with a weird accent. Same with like, anyone from um south asia really um we're all it's tokenism but in a much more ingrained pattern of let's make this more marketable by portraying them by their racial stereotypes or their body shape or assigning a certain you know what i mean a certain mm -hmm. part mm -hmm. yeah so i um like i guess you're saying like even if they have some sort of diverse if the person hired is has some sort of diversity they're still you know they have like one one thing that's different than the rest is maybe their race and then everything else kind of fits in to the mold exactly. that's already put up for exactly. them exactly like yeah. uh, an, an example of that is when i was really young i um did acting i was in gary spatz acting school and they chose they recruited me because i didn't look stereotypically asian they said but you did not look stereotypically exactly, Asian. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. But so weird. It was <laughs> yeah, but it was really strange. Really strange because I would go to all these casting calls and um they would all reject me saying that they're looking for a more Asian like character. Oh wow. And so yeah, so like that just canceled out acting for me completely. But it, it goes both ways. Really interesting. Yeah. Um yeah, so I, I think, because it's like, if you're hiring someone to, I feel like this is maybe this is like a, a hot take, I don't know, um, or a controversial mm -hmm. take, I don't know. But like, it's like, I feel like some people advocate, people are advocating for more diversity within like corporations, within yeah. like schools, within like every sector of life, I feel like, but then there's this idea like, if are you only hiring someone because of their race? And like, mm -hmm. is that okay or is that not okay? And is it, we know that not hiring someone because of their race is not okay, right? Exactly. Rejecting someone because yeah. their race is not okay, but hiring someone, you know, we need more diversity. Let's get an Asian person in here. Let's get a black person in here. Let's get a Hispanic person mm -hmm. in here. I don't, I don't know if that like, 
one side more it does equate more diversity it does you know get more people into this corporate environment that all have different perspectives but it also feels like they're like making an imaginary quota trying to fill in this weird quota system that they have yeah um i mean that's kind of like that, that's a good example it's kind of like um the new movie the live action mulan like they casted asian actors which was great but they did it very very discreet white whitewashing way in the sense that a costume the costume producer was white the screenplay was white um the casting director was white the director was right white like everything was white except for uh um, the characters in and of itself yeah. yeah and like they had mulan subtitles for like french portuguese english but they did not have one for korean <laughs> it was it was just like you tried but not hard <laughs> enough like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I think that that's a really good example too where it's like who's behind the scenes and who's the face. Because who's exactly. actually writing the words? Who's whose ideas are actually being pushed? Um, exactly. Yeah, and that I don't know how to like I was saying that I feel the only way to change that who's behind the scenes is just for people to kind of take like you're not going to get hired into these positions. No one's going to give up their power, especially these people that have been in power for so long. They're mm -hmm. not going to give up their power. Um, you have to sort of take it. Yeah. And they they do it even though it might risk everything. You know, Mulan did not do very well in the box office. I didn't see it because um, I had moral issues with... They like... Exactly, they filmed, at the yeah. concentration camp. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's more moral issues other than that for that movie. That movie was just yeah it was just not good and like what's even worse is that i've read a lot of reviews from white people and they were like there was no singing there was no mushu and it's like americans have fed the idea of asia and stories legends in asia and whitewashed it completely with music and animated characters that these people don't even realize mulan was an actual historical character and of course mulan didn't exist like music didn't exist but they're so fed into the idea that there was this animated character and the Mulan story of like the legend mm -hmm. is how Disney portrayed it and they don't understand there's an actual story to it which was also concerning yeah I yeah yeah totally Disney really did a number on everybody to be honest they just they did, did. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah I remember growing up being like I guess I like Jasmine Mm -hmm. because she's a mix of all South Asian Arabic yeah. things, everyone from the Middle East, anyone like, it was like, okay, interesting. I'm like, but I'm also a Muslim and like, she doesn't dress a way that Muslims would dress. And so there's all this sorts of whatever. That's like a whole nother thing. Yeah, um, exactly. Anyways. Okay. So <laughs> let's go back to, I guess, fashion. Let's talk about fashion. Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about your, work within the social media influencer field what was going on tell me about it yeah I mean it was a pretty sh small lip stint it was like I I like had to get out of it after like three four months because I just couldn't deal with the anxiety I had but basically they recruit you and then they basically get you a certain num number of followers 
while you're promoting new content. And I met up with a photographer um, once or twice a month. And it was really weird because he would be like, go buy these outfits. It's expensive, but we're going to use it once and you can return it immediately. Mm. Um, and we would go to all these different places and take like thousands of photos, basically, because it's like, well, you're out there for six to seven hours just to get like the perfect lighting, like maybe nighttime will look better midday would look better the morning would look better you know Mm -hmm. and so I would go into this feeling like very proud of myself like oh I got this like it's not like modeling but like I like created a sense of value and self-worth in myself from someone else thinking I was attractive but at the end of the day exactly that validation yeah Mm -hmm. um but the end of the day that validation would be wasted because they would give me like two to five pictures to post and it was like all right you told me I could do this and you hired me for a reason but at the end of the day you're devaluing what I thought were good pictures and really like bashing on my self-esteem by giving me two to five pictures and saying these are the only ones out of the thousands we took that are acceptable to post Mm, okay I see what you're saying Mm -hmm. and who is they that Mm -hmm. you were talking about who is they that um, you? Yeah. Um, they're actually not a company anymore. I don't even know what it was called. It was my sophomore sophomore year-ish of college. Okay. But I spoke to one direct man. His name was Matthew. He doesn't work with a company anymore, but I'm not so sure if the company even exists. I got an in because my friend Allie, who's social media famous, she has like 100K followers right now um she gave me the in and then I got recruited from them after like showing my headshots and everything but company was it it was basically a company where they would track your Instagram um track your Instagram uh when people are on the most and like basically computer programs generating like when people are active the most on your Instagram when people aren't and then on top of that, what content does the best for you? Is it through luxury goods? Or is it through your face? And basically mm-hmm. doing all that. But at the end of the day, it basically didn't even matter because they were pushing in so many followers through these accounts that I'm pretty sure a lot of them were fake. Like, let's be real. Most models, like, a lot of their followers are fake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it didn't even matter because the more they pushed in, if I posted on Instagram while they were pushing in followers, I would get that many more likes. Like yeah. something I would get like 200 likes on would skyrocket to like seven, 800, you know? Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. So that basically the company's whole purpose was just to create influencers. Like it was just exactly. around social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you can, you can even find that now. Like you need to have a certain amount of followers, but there are a lot of companies nowadays that do a lot of marketing for a lot of celebrities that you can apply for. I mean, there's, it's, it's many more followers than I have and I don't really care anymore, but at least like 10 to 20,000 mm-hmm. and they'll recruit you if they want. But yeah, it's a whole thing now. It wasn't so much when I was a sophomore, but now it's become like a real thing, you know? And how does it work? Um, like, how do you have to pay to be part of their program or do they make money like based on how many yeah. things yeah, you yeah, do? Yeah. 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 So um, if you do promotions, they'll get a cut of that. Okay. Um, if, uh, obviously, um, there's a monthly subscription. Okay. Um, I would say around a hundred to 
to 500 really depending on where you are and how much money you're making in the game per month um per month yes like the monthly subscription would be on 100 to 500 dollars per month from you to them exactly oh, wow. and um and yeah the monthly subscription um if you're famous enough like let's say you like i don't even know if this is a thing but let's say you're paying 500 to a thousand you can pay those off through subscriptions like, like not subscriptions. I'm just sorry, not subscriptions. Um, you can do it through um, things you uh, promote on Instagram. Okay, yeah, like, the money that you make. Exactly, exactly. Like, you know, like the hair gummy bears that everyone is so fucking into. I don't know yeah. why there's like every single like diet tea and like the gummies. I feel like the more they show up, the less I want to buy them. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, why are you promoting that? Like when your body's hungry, it's telling you it's hungry for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like also, yeah. I mean, besides the, like what the actual product is, but it's just like an odd thing for like this one product, these like same two or three products, like to continually be advertised so much, like on TikTok, like the bang energy drinks. It's like every like TikToker, every big TikToker does like a bang energy. And I'm like, how much are they paying I wonder, like, how much money do these does this company it, have? It depends on how many followers you have. How much you get like, paid? It depends. Yeah, if you're verified, obviously, a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, let's say Kylie Jenner, okay? One promotion she does, she gets at least three to five million dollars per post. No way. Yeah. I think <laughs> what? More. Yeah, I think it's actually more. I need to look this up. How much yeah, does do it. Kylie? Oh my god. Okay, when I type in how much does Kylie, it it autofills to how much does Kylie Jenner weigh. People are the worst, yo. People are the worst. Leave that girl alone. I mean, like, please come out about your plastic surgery and stop ruining girls' self esteem. But like, leave her alone. <laughs> um. Okay. Leave she alone. gets paid one point two million for a single post on Instagram, uh, according to twenty nineteen. She's the highest paid Instagram influencer of 2019. Okay, so I lied to you, but still a million dollars. That's a dollars, lot, like, that's a lot. I didn't- That's more than a lot of people, like eight, 90%, if not more of the population makes in their lifetime. Yeah, that's insane. Wow, um, I didn't know, I mean, I knew it was a lot. Like I was thinking it would be like 20, 30K. Like I didn't know it no, was like- No, 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 no. Yeah, it's in the millions. Wow. Um. Wow, that's really, I want, okay, so I need to get over my shock of this so we can continue, but I am so dumbfounded right now. That is insane. I'm like, is there inflation? Like, where's all this money coming from? I know, it's insane, but it's like Instagram gets money just because of the sheer amount of people who are on it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like just through stocks alone. If you invested in Instagram stocks when it first launched, you would be like bitcoin you know yeah yeah like, yeah um this is a little off topic but just how well do you think instagram would do how I mean okay how well do one how well do you think instagram would do slash how do you think it'll affect its users if instead of doing ads they did like a subscription basis and you wouldn't get any ads and you would to like so you, you would you would subscribe to get ads. No, no, no. Like the platform wouldn't have ads. 
maybe if like a free account would have ads like kind of how they do it with like hulu and like netflix where like a free account has ads okay. there's not ads or maybe there's uh-huh. no free account like you have to pay like five bucks a month and to use the to use instagram and to have an instagram profile but you don't get any like ads. an instagram plus i guess yeah or like a youtube red kind of thing yeah yeah i suppose mm. youtube red is so weird to me but yeah um personally i don't think it would do very well because i mean a person's interest or like focus or motivation to do anything has to have some sort of trigger right and just going through like memes or people's instagram or or their pictures like can only satisfy it to a certain degree i feel like it's the aspect of surprise this is another element that makes it easy for shoppers to shop it's like they catch you when your attention is kind of wavering or on the way to faltering Mm -hmm. and then they hit you with like a oh my god like you've been looking at memes you've been looking at friends things now like take a break and look at this thing catered exactly to you Mm -hmm. you know what I mean I feel like the element of surprise and again manipulation tied into it so I don't think it would be any better I mean maybe to people who don't shop as much but definitely to bigger uh, not bigger people but to people who rely on like fashion and all that I feel like yeah I feel like it would it wouldn't do so well in terms of the subscription that's interesting yeah so you think the the user would actually miss the ads that they they would want like I mean there is I feel like there's a there's like a like the idea that you have to pay for something is kind of like annoying. And so like, I feel like people would, a group of people may drop off of using them, but I don't know how, like, you know what I mean? Cause like, I feel like social media, like it's like one of those things where you look up someone on social media and if they don't have a social mm-hmm. media, you're like, why don't you have a social, exactly. social media? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much that would play into it if you had to start paying for it monthly, cause maybe you'd be more normalized to not be on social media. Um, mm-hmm. But so you would think that the ads aren't, so if the people subscribed or whatever, um, the ads, like people would miss the ads or they wouldn't really get anything from the ads not being there. If anything, they get exactly. more from the ads being there. Okay. Cause exactly. Cause I mean, yeah. Cause I mean like, like even like think of like, like even without ads, like you need Instagram to like tell you when like, a, like let's say you're following like a makeup, like Selena Gomez's makeup. Okay um you need their post to be like to be there so that you know when a new product is coming out right and if you miss that if you miss that post and you don't have ads in replacement to show you that hey you you follow this person um and you like their products you should possibly check this out because you missed the post I feel like people are missing out a bit you know it's it's the feeling of missing out um, overwhelms the power of being irritated by ads. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the, the fear, the FOMO, the fear of missing out is crazy. It is. It's huge. It's, it's huge. huge. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with FOMO? Honestly, I've never experienced, I mean, when I was younger, I experienced it like in terms of like, like friends not inviting me to something but like when it comes to me like I feel like the only thing I really focus on is like myself and fashion um when friends don't invite me nowadays I don't really care because it's more of like 
all right, like this is more more time I can spend like contemplating about myself and like really reorganizing my thoughts. And in terms of fashion, I mean, you see my Instagram, like I wear things that like people don't really, people don't really wear, you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like I fit in fashion forward or trendy, because I just like wear what I like. And if it looks good on me, then you should like it. It shouldn't have to follow the trend. You shouldn't fear FOMO because what another person wears may not look so great on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Um, Yeah, I, I think of, I feel like I, my freshman year of college, which is crazy that it was like five years ago now. Mm -hmm. um, I remember feeling the group of friends that I was kind of in was like this, like huge group of friends like that. It's like, how close can you really be if there's like 40 people in it? You know what I mean? Exactly. You can, you can. (laughs) Yeah. And they would very like aesthetic people, I would say. Um, And I remember there would just be so many posts and stuff that they would like, Every, you would know something's going on because like every single person would be at the same party posting like pictures of the same thing. Exactly, exactly. And there was one time there was like a, a party or like a birthday party or something like a do- like in a dorm. And I saw people posting on Instagram and I was with like another group of like five or six people. And we were like, okay, like we should just go, whatever. We show up and I'm thinking it's like going to be really fun, you know, looking at the pictures. Everyone is like sitting down, some people like on the ground, like sitting down on their phones like every single person was yeah and I was like wow to the point where like I was trying to have a conversation with someone and I felt uncomfortable talking at a normal volume because no yes, one was yes, talking yes, yes. and yeah yeah, I mean, and, yeah and so after that I really I was like I don't know it really affected my understanding of FOMO you know what I mean because yeah. I was like they're posting all yeah. this stuff and it's just you know, I was like, it's always better than it looks by like a lot. So there's no reason yeah. to, get, to feel like I'm missing I mean, out, rea- you know? Yeah. I mean, especially with the advent of smartphones, reality is what you make of it, you know? I mean, you look at celebrities too, with like all their filters on their face that they look so airbrushed that you forget that they actually have skin, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like no one's skin is like that, but that's how celebrities portray themselves. It's, reality is what you make of it. Um, I had a similar experience too, where I would take photo shoots with my friends. Um, and then what would happen was we would take these pictures, which would take like two hours. And then the rest of our hangout would be dead silent because we would all be Photoshopping our pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I remember that too. And even in middle school where like everyone would just be on their phones Cause I mean, I'm, I think like the iPhone, the first iPhone came out maybe when I was like in sixth grade or fifth grade or something like that. Yeah. I think we were in fifth or sixth grade. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And so the, you know, middle school until high school, there were so many times we would be hanging out with people and they would just be on their phone. And I would just, I didn't like being on my phone when I'm with other people. Cause I would think, I don't know. I feel like being on my phone is something that I do when I'm alone and I have nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, there's no point in being with other people and being on your phone, in my opinion, because you're just kind of wasting that energy, you Mm know? Um, So I would just sit there and wait for someone to talk to me because I didn't want to go on my phone and they were all on their phone. They wouldn't, right? Yeah, Yeah. no one talks. Yeah, or they just talk about like a tweet they saw and I was like, okay, I can't relate because I'm not on my phone. Yeah, yeah, I'm very guilty of that. I mean, like my boyfriend literally always tells me now that like we should have like a specific time in the day where we just put our phones down and just talk. 
And the first time we tried that, it was literally like us going back to like funny memes we saw online. Yeah. It was because you know what I mean? Like because conversation nowadays is carried and is vehicled so much by social media that like you don't even know how to have your own conversations anymore. It's I feel like I felt really odd by the I don't know unsettled unsettled I felt very unsettled by meme culture in a way that Mm. like when people would reference memes when you're speaking to each other and they'd be like oh you know that meme that's like blah blah blah, like that's what's happening right now but the more I thought about it and this is more like a recent um thing that I've been thinking about was like maybe the benefit of that is that there is something universal like where there's this one meme or that everyone is able like worldwide to connect to to, and like it it kind of brings us together in that sort of way you know like we can all connect and we've all had this feeling or we've all experienced this um and so I've been thinking about that and kind of trying to not be so negative about this thing that's never going to go away (laughs) um yeah yeah, I don't know what's your opinion on memes um like you said I mean, like, when I talk to my little sister or my little brother, it's always nice to have memes at hand. How old are they, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, yeah. My little brother is 20 right now, and my little sister is 13. Okay. I was going to say 20. I was like, he's your little brother. I keep forgetting how old we are. Um, (laughs) We're so old. (laughs) I was like, 20, little brother. Yeah. um, Sorry, keep going. (laughs) No, um, and so, like, um, like, for me, like the only way to communicate with them sometimes is to like stay up with like, you know, the recent memes and stuff. Like our conversations really start, like I said, it's like, it's really vehicled um, by memes, like conversations. So I'll send them a TikTok or a meme and then we'll start talking about that. And then it'll end up with, how are you doing? How's California? So it does, it acts as a vehicle to access other people in a way that's like flipped over instead of starting with how are you doing you start with a meme and let that drive the conversation so it is good in a sense that everyone can relate to something but at the same time it's like are we losing our human capability to communicate with each other mm-hmm. with our own words you know what I mean yeah I, I totally see what you mean I think too like in in the time of COVID where you can't really physically go out as much and see people um and so much more like it's such a difference talking to someone like this and like physically using my voice rather than texting and you know sometimes there are people where it's just stream of consciousness and it would be maybe similar things I'm saying out loud but typing it it you know there's often that I go back and fix it even just like something like typos where like that's not something you have to think about when you're speaking just like that and you're like oh I can go edit it and just like editing something that you're gonna say for presentation, there's like a performative action added, like a layer added to just speaking and communicating. Does that make sense to what I'm kind of saying? Yeah, in terms of texting? Yeah, in terms of texting, like fixing typos, for example, I just think it's like a weird, it's like a weird layer to add on to just like casual conversation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, nowadays, because conversation is like, in, like, in layman's terms, it's just so it's so it's been how do you how do you say it it's just um been diluted so much into a way that like people just talk how they want to talk 
but I feel like if you add a layer of like fixing typos or fixing other people's grammatical errors, now it turns into a sense of a sense of um like status self-righteousness yeah yeah like self-righteousness of like being pretentious when in real life it's like this is how we were taught English <laughs> like we just diluted it so much that you don't feel like we should speak like this but like nowadays even like you put a period in the text and everyone freaks out right yeah yeah no totally I I feel so the period I feel so nervous about the period because I I'm a very like casual texter. Um, you've seen my Instagram stories. Almost every single one has a typo in it just because I like type so fast and I'm like, oh, I'm done. Um, but, and so like, even when there's like a long text I need to send, it's not serious, just like a long text. I feel weird using a period. I have to put like semicolons or like comments. Yeah, or, yeah. or follow it with an emoji. Yeah, just like that's the end. <laughs> Either an emoji or you have to put some extra letters for that last word, you know what I mean? Yeah, so they know the end break. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that's about? Um, what do you mean? Elaborate. The fear of the period. Like of the oh, punctuation. Good. Oh, the period. wow. Yeah. That's a good question. I feel like it just seems like something is closing and like just like that sense of like something is ending or something is closing people don't like that because I mean if you say it out loud like if you it's weird because if you speak and I'm speaking to you right now if I end this sentence it automatically ends with a period right mm -hmm. but when people read a text with a period they read it in a very condescending way mm -hmm. like I'll say okay like I'll say okay to you and that's a period oh, but when someone says okay on text it's okay you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's like a weird translation thing, which is why I don't like texting that much. I would rather call people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's that sense of like finality mm -hmm. that people are very, people don't like the idea of like obscurity, I think. And so they fear that. They fear the idea of something ending or something abruptly ending with a period. They'd rather just do a stream of consciousness thing where it seems like you're talking to someone mm -hmm. whereas a period seems to formal and finalize mm -hmm. and it makes people uncomfortable that's what I think how about you yeah I think um I, I think there's part of that I mean I certainly relate to I really don't like endings that's like something I'm uncomfortable yeah. with I've noticed that with like books like I'll read a lot of a book and then I just like won't read the last two chapters and I'll like put it off you know what I yeah. mean? I, I yeah, yeah, like, yeah. In like TV shows, I'm like, okay, I can't watch like the last few episodes. I can't watch that yeah. stuff like that. Um, so, I mean, I, I think maybe there's, I, you know, part of that. I think to the, how many ways you can communicate sort of seriousness or like anger or any of these more, I guess, negative, I don't want to say negative, but like in comparison to positive, you know, like negative emotions or like negative tones, like more seriousness or anger or sadness or whatever, um, versus just like happiness and casual and like informal, um, yeah. or like joyful or whatever. And there's not that many ways you can do that via text. And I mm. think the period is probably one of the most useful tools in doing that. Cause like, if you think about it, like, if I'm like upset with you, and then I send you like the angry face emoji. Like, are you gonna think I'm fucking upset with? Oh, 
Are you going to think I'm upset yeah. with you? <laughs> no, exactly. You won't. You won't. Yeah. You think you're just being playful. And I mean, like, that also transcends, transcends not into just punctuation, but people like me and my friends type in caps lock all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And no one, like, in a book, you would read that as, like, someone being angry. Yeah. Or, like, showing, like, they're, they feel belittled or they're irritated. But in text, it's almost as if, like, you're explaining. shouting into the, yeah, you're explaining something, but in an emphatic way. It's, like, shown, it's, like, yeah, that's emphatic, you know what I mean? With energy, Exclaiming, like, yeah. exactly. So it's, yeah. like, it's weird. Again, a whole translation problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, this new way of communication that is texting and how much it's taken over, like, um, yeah, it's interesting that I also think a way that people talk with new people when you connect with new people online, it's like a way to connect is like via DM. And then the first yeah. interaction you have, like I'm someone that uses a lot of exclamation points because I want to come off um, friendly and not intimidating. Me too, me too. Every email, my second sentence <laughs> or every other sentence with exclamation marks. <laughs> I get that, I get that. Yeah, and like it's the, the difference between like four exclamation marks or one is so different. One is like, I feel like formal. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it is interesting. Um, so thinking of communication and online communication, I mentioned earlier in your intro that you have a Finsta account and you use your close friends sto- on Instagram stories, which I know you're pretty active mm-hmm. on both. Um, before we dive into it, can you, for those of, uh, those of that, those of them listening for those listening oh my goodness for those listening can you tell us what a finsta account is yeah i mean finsta the f and the insta just stands for fake instagram i mean it's definitely the real instagram but it's basically um interestingly enough it's the side of you that you're too embarrassed to show that only close friends can see um so you're really just being you but are too embarrassed to show the world that you're being you Weird if you think about it that way, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also the fact, the first line that you said, I think is just so interesting. And um, it's a fake Insta, but it's really the real Insta. Um, exactly. Yeah, which is, and people talk, you know, when people in exchanges, they'll be like, oh yeah, I accidentally posted on my Rinsta versus my Finsta. And like they use real Insta versus um, fake Insta, which is like, if it's tied to what you would share with your close personal friends, and that's considered within the realm of fake, but what you could present to the world is more realistic. It's, it's a exactly. Weird... And on what terms, on whose terms is it more realistic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so how do you, you know, how do you use them? Like, why, why are you active on Finsta and Instagram close personal story, close mm. friend stories? Well, that question in and of itself shows you like the whole, like, split between two people it's almost as if like you're creating like two different identities but one's real and one's not like I said but um yeah I mean everyone's at fault at this if they do have a if they do have a finsta but on Instagram you want to portray yourself as this like put together person but if that's all you put up you get tired you know tired of trying to keep up with the look keep up with the facade and so that's when you turn to rinse uh, that's when you turn to the finsta and you're just like, I'm such a mess. Like, I do not like life. Like, this is what I look like without makeup or whatever. It's a time to just let out that suppressed feeling 
of oh this isn't real on your insta and just you know like spilling your guts out on your finsta and on top of that like on finsta it doesn't matter if someone if you don't get any likes on your posts because you have such like limited friends but it's just more of a place where you can just literally just throw up everything that you've been keeping on on your insta yeah yeah no totally i think uh using the word throw up using the phrase throw up everything i think that's that's great. I, when I used to have a Finsta and that was exactly how I used it. I was just like, oh, I know. Expunge all... I know, Michelle. You know how messy my Finsta oh, was. <laughs> you know how messy mine was. Mine was yeah. mess. I had to I delete the messy. whole account because I just could not look at it. I was like, I need to go. I need to take it off. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, and I think both of us used it similarly where it was a way to kind of mass communicate with your close friends in like kind of an less intimate way than texting you know like that kind of like obligation if you like text someone versus like if I just post on my story like I or my my close friend story or like my finsta like I'm not feeling good this and this happened versus having to individually text someone it exactly exactly yeah I and like yeah mm-hmm. no sorry I, go I ahead. thought of no no so um I thought of this too in the sense of like when I was when I was having an existential crisis which is like every night it's like you're still looking for validation in some regard, you know? Yeah, totally. You're, totally. you're looking, you're looking to portray yourself as realistic and as raw as possible. But in doing so, like, like in, on, on Finsta's, in my opinion, the messier you are, the more people interact with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, people like myself when I had another Finsta I was never that messy but I wanted to portray that to make myself look as uh, as raw and as relatable as possible you're looking for relatability uh, on Finsta so it's not a selfless deed you know just putting it up there it's not really for yourself it's also for other people to reach out and be like hey I support you I'm there too like you're you're screaming for help basically in a sense you know what I mean yeah, I, I I think there's almost like um with like hold on, sorry, one second, my audio is being weird. Okay. Good time. <laughs> um where on Rinsta versus Finsta, even, you know, I think there's a sense of seeking validation in both of them, but I think in Finsta it's m- much less like hidden. It's just like straight out, like because I need validation, I need support in this yeah. mm-hmm. you know it's not like you're not like pretending that you don't need it and you need it you're straight up being like i, don't I know, need it i need it or like i'm seeking this sort of communication and i mean people use finstas in different ways and that just may be the way that you and i used it and like i don't i didn't have i had like let like 10 people follow me um mm-hmm. i i know people that had it and they let like they would let like 10, like a hundred people follow them on their Finsta, like people that mm-hmm. they, like me in the, the way that they used it. It was like kind of a sign of like, I like you because they'd let you follow them on their Finsta. Exactly. Exactly. And I've noticed that with close friends, like I'm on people's close friends list that I am not close friends with. Um, me too. I feel I, that. Yeah. You know, but I'm like, Oh, okay. Like they like, they, fuck with me so they put me on their close friends list and like that's exactly yeah my close friends list is also like five people I don't really use it that often I hardly ever yeah use it. yeah neither do I I have like 10 people max yeah 
Um, but it's interesting the when the close friends, when the Finsta audience gets larger and it's not as intimate or personal in the ways that maybe you and I used it with like the 10, 15, really like really core group that's in it. Um, yeah. where, where does the distinction then lie between like Rinsta and Finsta? You know, you have like 500 followers on your Rinsta, you have a hundred followers on your Finsta. Like, you know, like how, how much does, like if this is your core in the center, like how much does that expand out? And like, where's the line between the, the facade you're putting up for, if it is a facade or whatever, the mask, the shield you're putting up for the world and then the, the mask or the, the self that you're presenting to your quote unquote close friends that aren't yeah. all your close yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like social media has done a great deal of breaking down the wall of what is considered friends and close friends and best friends. Mm -hmm. And I feel like instead, like put up a very thin veil like a very thin line that's so easy to cross into the boundary of close friends from friends. Like you DM people on Insta, like they, like they react to a story and you communicate there for a little bit. You maybe hang out once after that, like then they're automatically considered your close friends for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, they might know nothing about you, but the fact that you got that sort of validation through a picture and the person continually validates you that in and of itself has replaced the feeling of like memories, actually knowing each other, the knowledge that you guys share or the humor you guys share. And that completely gets dissolved away. And instead is like basically completely intercepted by just how well the person validates you. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. Like how, yeah, I, it's, it's how they end up making you feel versus exactly. like who they are. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which is why I feel like we see so many friendships falling out nowadays because they they relied on a facade people put up and even facades, people get tired of doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it's a facade for a reason. It like comes out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so you rely on the facade of someone without even knowing who they really are and getting a close relationship with them that once you make yourself or label yourself as close friends, they finally bring their real personality out. And it's like, oh, I didn't know this person at all. And I feel like I've been seeing that a lot since COVID started too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Have, have you seen it more like in like real life friendships or like falling out or people getting removed from people's lists falling out? In like real relationships wise. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I have a similar, I haven't seen it really like that. I mean, I don't really interact with that many people, but um, I, I, there's like this one person that I am on um, her close friends list and I, I like her for, you know, I have nothing against her. I think she's funny and she's cool, whatever. Um, I don't really know her that well, but I'm on her close friends list and there's been times that like she'll post something and I'll like reach out and talk to her about it in a way that you would think would be kind of inappropriate given how many times we've hung out, which is like yeah. alone, zero, but like in bigger groups, a few times, how much we talked, not that Never. much, you yeah. know? Um, and it, it's been received well and like, it's fine. I feel like that's kind of like, you know, made me think more fondly of her and like whatever. Um, and sometimes I get nervous where some that'll happen with different people and, and maybe I'll like, you know, 
have a good online relationship with them or like interactions with them. And I'm nervous to, to take that into real life. And I'm like, what if we hang out in person and it's just weird and I just don't like them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then, and then what, where's our online relationship go after yeah, that? Yeah. 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 I mean, that same, that same pattern happens with online dating, right? Mm. Like you can make yourself so presentable and so easy to digest through text, but most people aren't willing to pull up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they're, it's like you say all these things and you present yourself this way, but when it comes to real life, they're like, oh, I'm shy. Like, I'm not that type of person. And it's like, then why did you lead me on in that sense? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like I like the phrase easy to digest um, when you're thinking about mm-hmm. online personas and like how you create yourself online. I think that's, that, you know, I feel like that's, so, that holds so true. Like you want to create someone that's easily digestible. Like you want to, yourself you know you want to present someone that's not super I guess complicated and complex in a way that's not trendy you know it's now trendy exactly Mm -hmm. I have more going on and I'm mysterious and all this sort of stuff but um not in a way that's like problematic or toxic and I don't have any negative traits I'm just complex and that I like think about a lot of stuff and that sort of Mm. sort of person personality um and kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, like uh, these in-groups, these like, you know, the easy, you become easily digestible. Maybe I can describe you in five adjectives. I can describe mm-hmm. myself in five adjectives or online personas five adjectives. Okay, if our five adjectives line up, we're in this one group. And then that mm-hmm. one group gets maybe a similar response, maybe not. Maybe the difference in responses within that group then ties to gender or sexual orientation or race you know maybe I'm in the same exactly. group as this other girl but she's blonde and tall and skinny and has blue eyes and we don't get the same online validation even though we are we have the same five you know similar characteristics qualifying characteristics exactly yeah I don't know I don't know that's just a whole train of thought that I just started thinking of. And now I'm like, why are there so many layers? There's so many layers to everything. There's so many layers, so <laughs> many layers. It's uh, complex and stupid at the same time. <laughs> um, are you on TikTok? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the hesitation, the exasperation. Are you? You're like, oh, um, no. no, I'm not. I I thought that, yeah. Yeah, I probably have, I think I still have an account. Um, I used to have an account. I had an account with one of my good friends, Robin. I don't know if you've met her before, but. No. Um, she's really funny and she wanted, she was like, we should make like a joint account and so we can both post things on it and whatever. So sometimes I'd post on there. Um, she was way funnier than I was. So I, I, I was not very uh, funny. Um, but then I had like a personal account, whatever. And then I would use, and then I tried to make one for my art and do like ASMR drawing stuff, which did, which was fine. The, but I just had to get off it. Cause I just spent so much time on it. And I would just think yeah. like, how much, like it really took a lot for me to finally download it. Like, fin- like, cause I would, or finally, sorry, finally delete it. Cause I would delete it, redownload it, delete it, redownload it, delete it, redownload it to the point where I would keep doing that like 10 times a day. And I'd be like, you know what I mean? And like, um, yeah. So I've gone through that process like two or three times where like, I'll 
do that delete redownload like 10 times a day in like a three week period like spaces um so now i just I, I mean i'm in one of those periods where i'm not on it um it's just too much it's just so too much for me yeah what are I your totally get that what's your opinion what's your relationship with it oh it's not a good relationship I, I i've gotten to that stage where even tiktok bores me after a while okay yeah you know totally I mean? like I i'm can... on it yeah you're on it for like hours I'm and on hours it so yeah. often yeah. exactly and like it's like tiktok has like infiltrated like all social media i mean like i'll be off of tiktok on instagram and there will be instagram reels of tiktok yeah you know what i mean uh-huh. and so it's like like one way or another you really can't get out of it and then like there's a certain point where you're just like oh man like even this is boring to me now instagram is boring to me now it's like where do i go and it's like the fact that you're looking for like happiness and stuff comes from an outside app that someone created. It's just like, it's just so wild to me. Yeah. You can't think of anything else, you know? And it's kind of the like immediate, like, I don't know, like the immediate satisfaction of it, the immediate laugh, the immediate positive. I mean, there's like the, um, I, a dopamine effect that I feel like people now know it's like so prevalent online that there's like a dopamine effect that you get from social media and using it like or whatever um which is crazy that that's just more like common knowledge and out and it doesn't I don't know how much it's really affected anything people are like oh yeah that makes sense I'm gonna keep scrolling um (laughs) um but there's like um there's like the specific sort of satisfaction that you get like if you watch something funny or like if you watch like I've been into recently watching a lot of like people that make commentary videos about like social media predators and like Mm -hmm. I don't experience joy from those videos but there's this some like you know like there's that's like just the thing that I'm binging right now and I'm getting some sort of feed from that um exactly yeah. And I wonder when there was something, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess that's a little bit, what I've been watching is a little bit darker, but there's obviously things that are way darker on the internet. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what happens when someone is, that's their satisfaction. Like that's their binge. Yeah. That's a whole <laughs> Yeah, I've I've I know people who like love going on the dark web and looking that stuff up. That must just really, really, in lack of better words, fuck up your mind. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. like how depraved do you need to get in order to crave some sort of satisfaction? You know, and like the internet always follows up. Like the more you crave of those depravities, the more the internet will like we'll pump it to you, to you. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know, that has to do with a lot of psychology, too. There has to be some sort of, like, repressed memory or, like, psychological issue with that, in my opinion. Like, people who look up dead bodies for fun, like, yeah, you know, there's something a little off. There's this, um, like, I I think that this has been brought up before, um, where people that are, like, the moderators on social media, like, the people that are you know, like not, you can't post anything on like Instagram or on Facebook, like Instagram or Facebook will take, or I guess now it's just Facebook, but they'll take it down. Right. Like, um, there's people that moderate that and see 
you know, is this something is flagged? Like, is this actually something that needs to be taken down? Like, is it gruesome? Is it a hate crime? Is it whatever? And there's people that go through and do that. So like their whole job is just looking at that sort of content and deciding whether or not mm-hmm. they should take it down. So there's like a different, you know, that's not like, the, that's your job. That's not like a personal preference to see those things. And I think, you know, I think there's going to be a difference between the person that person that goes out on themselves and gets it goes out by themselves and searches for that content and, you know, binges that content versus someone that's working and has to be exposed to it. And I wonder how the different effects of it um, are on those kinds of, those two different types of people or those two different types of engagement, I suppose. Um, so the people who are looking for those, that content, right? Like take mm-hmm. it off, you said? Yeah, so there's like, you know, like we were saying, those people that like, look up content for fun on the dark web and like look at this sort of gruesome stuff um or whatever it may be or disturbing things but then there's people that have to like on instagram that are the moderators that work for instagram have to look at this stuff in order to decide if they need to take it off the platform Mm, i see i see i mean i feel like because it's regulated and they know that it's a job Mm-hmm. that it doesn't it doesn't mess with them too much you know what I mean they're they're just looking for what is considered like harmful or not harmful but like harmful doesn't even need to be like that bad because I realize like Instagram if it's like really that bad they'll just take it off as, as immediately after you post it mm-hmm. um but if it's like a hate crime or anything like that I mean if it has to do with race then you are a person of color then obviously it, it may really fuck with you mm-hmm. but if it's just like random things like like fuck donald trump and that has to be like put down i mean that that's really simple and you know i feel like most people agree with that too so um it doesn't mess with them too much whereas in the dark web you're looking for it you're like i mean you it's not a job like you're mm-hmm. doing it out of your own free will because you do it for enjoyment not for like a payroll not for a salary you're just doing it because that's what you crave Mm-hmm. I think it's a little different like it's it's different when you're prescribing yourself something that's not good for you whereas another thing is like you signed up for it you know what I mean yeah you, you said um yeah 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 I, I see what you're saying I think I think that I almost feel like the person that's moderating is has it I actually feel kind of like the opposite like has it worse because they're subjected to seeing this sort of stuff, even, you're right, I mean, they're signing up for it, they have a job, they're getting paid, but I don't think that those factors negate how it will feel. You know, like you can have a corporate job and hate your life. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so like, I kind of feel, I feel like they might have it worse because they're subjected to seeing content that you never know, you're right. Like it could be stuff that's maybe, like they take down like, uh, if you're showing a nipple, you know, like stuff mm-hmm. like that, that's not like necessarily obscene or offensive to a lot of people versus, you know, maybe you're scrolling through that. And then out of shock, you see something like someone being murdered or something crazy. You know, like, did you see that there was that guy yeah. who met up with that girl? I think she was a TikToker and then he killed her. And then he put a post picture up of her severed head on social media, on her social media. He posted yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that, you just kind of like randomly see it. And I, I feel like that kind of jolt, um, I don't know how that will, you know, affect someone that doesn't want to see yeah, content. That's very true. I also just feel that like, I mean, 
someone has to have a certain amount of requirements to even perform that job, right? Like, I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, though, like, like, right? I don't I, see because I, I would think that you just kind of get a list of the guidelines and like this is stuff to take off this is stuff you don't take off like how how like I don't know like what what uh what would qualify you from that and what wouldn't qualify you from that like I feel like I could do that uh, and I don't really that's have true questions. yeah but I feel like if you are gonna go into the field of scrutiny and you know absolving people of like all these things that they should not be seeing online I feel like with that kind of like searching and like especially those dark things you're I mean you are basically doing it to yourself you know like you are telling yourself I am mentally well enough to do this um, I can handle this job and so yeah it must fuck with their brains a lot in terms of like I- I'm sure like again the per- people of color like anything racist yeah that will jolt you but like most things nowadays are so normalized like racism and all that that it will it will hurt but you're so you've adapted to it which is a bad word but you know what I mean you're like desensitized to it exactly and like only once in a while would you really come across like a dead body or something but like once like no one can ever be desensitized to that obviously but at the same time it's like you put this on yourself to do this Mm-hmm. And so, like, like, you may be shocked and you might feel threatened and scared, but you went into this thinking that you have the mental reasoning to do it. You're mm-hmm. mentally stable enough to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's almost as if, like, you're strengthening, like, you're trying to validate your own mental cognizance and mental stability in order to do this job. Like, you're kind of, like, you know what I mean? You're motivating mm-hmm. yourself and testing the boundaries of, how mentally stable you are and if you want to tread those waters then do it with caution but at the same time like there is a part of validation that comes to it you know where like I can do this job because number one I can do it well and number two I can do it well because I know for sure for myself that I'm mentally stable enough mm-hmm. so it's validation on both sides you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah I see what you're saying um yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, where I feel like maybe like the opposite, like the person, because well, in both examples, both people are like seeking it out. You're both, yeah, you know, like you're both making the choice to look at that sort of stuff or uh, whether it be for a job and money or for, you know, your own leisure or whatever. Um, where I think that and like people that look it out, I feel like it maybe has a similar effect, but maybe just like heightens, depending on what kind of stuff and if it's like within the same genre, I guess. Though I have disclaimer no knowledge of socio psychology and um to be able to make any you know claims but I would think that maybe it just heightens one part of your brain and one part of your conscious not conscious but I guess one part of your brain that you just kind of keep um I don't know like overstimulated if you're looking at the same sort of stuff um I was talking to someone about like like trauma and different types of ways people deal with trauma. And there's this thing that apparently like, if you are dealing with some sort of trauma in your life, like for example, if someone has been like sexually assaulted and they're like dealing with the aftermath of that and like maybe experiencing PTSD that they might watch things about like 
like they might like watch like the um like the Jeffrey Epstein documentary or like they may watch like Handmaid's Tale or like things like that that you would think mm-hmm. might trigger them um but while they're in this state of like heightened arousal it actually ends up sometimes sometimes it can be you know just like overstimulating them and like triggering them and maybe like making things worse for them but it does um sometimes it can be like a coping mechanism because you're in a high yeah. when you're having ptsd or you're like dealing you know with the aftermath of trauma you're in a heightened state of arousal and so watching something that kind of matches that heightened state of arousal that you would get normally from watching it you know like if you weren't experiencing ptsd then um it is calming in a way like it makes you feel normal for feeling a certain way even though yeah, absolutely the thing yeah that- i've been there yeah i've yeah. been there yeah you watch things for me when i watch those things it's almost as if like i'm watching it so i'm in control like i'm in control now mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's it's a sense of um you can control whether you want to watch it or not. Mm-hmm. And I chose to watch it. And so that in and of itself is a validation. Like I'm strong enough to watch this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a coping mechanism for sure. Mechanism for sure. I've definitely been there. Yeah. Which I, I think is interesting just thinking about different kind of content and like content consumption. And, I, you know, like where's the role of agency within it? Because you're saying it's a big part. The control, the agency mm-hmm. that you feel to choose to watch this is a big part of kind of like dealing with whatever you're dealing with and coping with it. Exactly. Versus if it's just thrust upon you, it's not, I would think, not the same at all and not common exactly. in the same exactly. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, how, you know, thinking of decent, I would think things just thrust upon you, makes you, shocks you, whatever, and then kind of desensitizes you to things. Yeah. Um, so, like if we think about like Gen Z who, you know, never grew up without social media, essentially. Um, how do you think they like, how desensitized do you think they are? Cause they're also very sensitive in a way. And it, um, they are very sensitive. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I feel like they're desensitized in terms of like, let's say like dark humor and dark jokes, mm-hmm. uh, but they're also desensitized to like when like, like on TikTok, let's say, like someone's missing, they are desensitized to it, but at the same time, they, they're desensitized, but they're also educated enough to know that the person, like, or whatever the person's experiencing is in a dangerous situation, whether it's like mental health or a kidnapping or a rape or murder, to, a, to be able to speak out on that, you know, it's like desensitization in the form of communication, like they're desensitized enough um, where that mental illness is now so prevalent or like anything like that is so prevalent that they're willing to speak out on it and make it normalized, you know? Mm-hmm. It's so desensitized, they're normalizing it, which yeah. is a good thing in and of itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I totally see what you're saying. I think maybe instead of using sensitive, maybe like empathetic or sympathetic yes, exactly, is probably exactly, better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do care about, I feel like they, they're very vocal um, like I was telling you earlier, like I was taking, you know, like a, a non-degree class and I was taking psych 101. And so like, that's a freshman class, you know? So a lot of the kids in there are like, um, 18, 17, some of them weren't even 18. And there was, cause there was some stuff that we needed to do that required you to be a certain age and they weren't 18, which I was like, oh, wow. Um, I don't know why that's surprising, but, <laughs> um, 
and there's a chat and it's a zoom it was a zoom class so there's a there's a chat feature in it and that would just be running throughout the throughout the class and people were very like you know we'd watch different videos of stuff and they'd be like oh like that's ableist or like that's that's a little like sus or like that's a little racist and like talking about stuff mm -hmm. very openly like that which one i think i have kind of a issue as well as a compliment or I don't know yeah, of mm -hmm, it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good that people are like more, you know, these isms that I didn't really learn about until I was like in high school. Exactly. Mm -hmm, you know? yeah. um, and I think that's awesome that people are getting more educated about it and knowing about it and, you know, are able to also say that like, that's not something they're okay with and they're willing to call people out on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I also have where I find some fault in it is that these are really big topics and really big issues, racism, sexism, ableism, you know, like homophobia, like all this stuff has such a history and there's so many things to understand about. There's such complex issues and they like go into such different factors of like different systems of existence, like, you know, the government, um, like legal, social, economic, like all this stuff. And sometimes I feel like it's oversimplified by younger generations because they don't necessarily have the access to that information or like they're not, which I'm not blaming them for. Like, I didn't really learn about the deafness, like I'm saying, until high school and college. So mm -hmm. I, you know, that's understandable, but to create like an online culture that's so quick to call someone out yeah. on these sorts of things. Um, and I found it more, most prevalent where, like I was saying, I was looking at TikTok and predators on TikTok and stuff. And I like, are, do you know like Tony Lopez and like Zoe Laverne? Have you heard those names? Yeah. <laughs> so for those listening that that aren't um, aware, I'll just do a quick recap of these two people. Tony Lopez is one half of the Lopez brothers. They're like TikTok influencers, TikTok stars. They were in the Hype House. They have like, I think they both have over, both individually have over like 20 million followers or something like that. Yeah. Anyways, Tony Lopez is, how old is he? I think he's 21. Yeah, he, they're young. Um, oh my God, I looked up Tony Lopez age and there's like a boxer that is, and it said 57. And I was like, wait, that's not him. Uh, okay, so he's 21 years old and he got into some hot water because he uh, messaging a bunch of underage girls as young as like 15 and like asking them, sending them you know, sexual images, nudity, whatever, and like asking for them back. And even after knowing their age and stuff like that. So he got into some hot water for that. There were a bunch of receipts. He even kind of, he like admitted it. He like went on Instagram live and was like, I'm sorry for my actions. They're just going to make me grow. I'm one of the, his excuses, not that there, there shouldn't be any excuses for a behavior like that, but it was that he's new to the LA scene and he didn't know how it worked, which was, I was like, how does oh the LA- Oh my God. Like, I don't know how that equates to you being predatorial, but he admitted it essentially. And then um, apologized in like a half-assed weird TikTok or Instagram live and like a, the classic like notes, um, yeah. notes, iPhone notes apology. And he, you know, he's not banned from the app. There's no legal repercussions. He's continuing to thrive essentially his brother who also had accusations but there weren't receipts um you know kind of got off more scot-free I mean they both sort of did Tony definitely did and then Zoe Laverne is she's like 19 years old and she had a full like relationship with this 13 year old boy and she's also a TikTok star with like 19 million um followers and there was 
similar. She admitted to it, talking about it and saying that she, she like loves him and they're close and even just like posting things on his social media um, for everyone to see and like, you know, display their relationship or whatever. And like also no real repercussions at all. And it's so, and there's people that are still fans of these people that are like, it was an honest mistake. Like it's okay, whatever where I, you know, that's where it's like, I feel like such a big issue where it's like something like racism, ableism, um, sexism, homophobia, like I was saying, they're laced in so many, so much stuff, right? There's, they're, there's such a rich history, rich is probably not the right word, but there's such a history right there that more education and understanding like deeper values can like help reverse those kinds of ideas. And if you yeah. make a mistake, then you can apologize and grow from it. But like, that's not the same for predators. That's not the same thing at all. And I feel like that, the fact that people are equating that sort of, you know, he apologized and he'll go learn from it. And like, you're not going to learn from that. That is something that like is messed up with you and abuse of power and like. Exactly. I don't know. Exactly. I know I just went on a huge tangent about that, but what are your, what are your thoughts? <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. Like we treat all these big problems like racism, homophobia, and all that, like you said, and we like to discuss them. And those are things that everyone thinks need to be fixed. But then we kind of get on pedophilia. And I feel like it's more excusable because they're younger and it's not like a 30 year old man. Yeah. Exactly. And so they like to excuse it by saying like, oh, but he's still young and attractive. Like, this is just an honest mistake when it truly is by definition pedophilia mm -hmm. and pedophilia is an actual mental disorder. Yeah. Like it is a, it, it is actual mental disorder that like you have to get treatment for, but it's like, and we love to talk about mental health and like getting a therapist and like reaching out to everyone. But it's like, if you just excuse pedophilia, you're also excusing a very, very fucked up part of mental illness like pedophilia is a huge huge problem in mental illness and you need mm -hmm. that treated like it's not something you could ever get past but it's something that you need to learn how to control and if it's not being able to be controlled at such a young age like tony lopez and it's like there's so many chances along the line that he's going to slip up again you know what i mean mm -hmm. I also and then, then yeah mm -hmm. no finish finish your thought no i was just saying and then like when he's older Younger generations are call them pedophile. Oh, call him a pedophile. But then the generation that grew up with him is going to be like, oh, we should have helped him then. And it's like, it's just stupid. You know what I mean? I Yeah, I think the age thing is, because people think pedophilia is like, you know, like th they'll be able to call someone out, like you say, like 30-year-old talking to like a four-year-old. They're like, yeah, exactly. that's pedophilia. And like, yes, that is pedophilia. And that's like a very like easy way to spot it. But a 21 year old talking to a 15 year old are you serious like i'm thinking when i was 15 you just started freshman year of college and i'm sorry of high school of high school you just started freshman year of high school you like maybe so, um maybe sophomore year but you were like just in middle school and 21 you're like in the middle of college like exactly and i feel like one of the issues or and I, I was thinking about like why why is that? Like, why are people, you know, this generation that is so ready to call out all mm -hmm. these things that they find intolerable, why are they unable to hold these predators accountable in the same sort of way? And I think it is because so much of them are younger. And I think like pedophilia and abuse of power and like predat predatorial and like predators and like just that whole genre of things is really hard to understand until you get older. 
you know, like I, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I, I now I'm 24 and I feel like I'm really understanding like how messed up it is for someone in this power position to talk to someone younger versus when I was like 18. I don't think I understood it as closely. Like my hometown, there was like, like a teacher at my school that like had a relationship with one of the students, but she was a younger teacher and I didn't really get, I know the drama, the drama of suburbia. Um, it, Actually, there was like multiple teachers that that happened with at my school. Anyways, oh. um, <laughs> but he was, uh, the student was a senior. So it was like okay. legal, but yeah. still like that's an abuse of power. And like, I didn't understand, yeah. you know, when I was 18, I was in, co- in, in high school. I didn't really understand it that much. Um, and now that I'm older, I, you know, you really get how, like what grooming is like grooming is something that is hard to understand when you're younger you just don't you know yeah yeah oh yeah you don't need to be a pedophile to groom like yeah exactly yeah there's a there's a very big difference like grooming is one issue pedophilia is another group them together they're awful they're just completely deranged but yeah just because you're not a pedophile does not mean you cannot groom an mm-hmm. adolescent or a minor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I think that's where I feel like our generation should take more reign within social media is to talk about these topics that are, I guess, more difficult to decipher. Not that everything that we haven't talked about, like racism, homophobia, you know, sexism, all that stuff, which is, you know, kind of going back to that. Those are also higher topics to talk about. Like it's, you, it's hard to like people may have underlying racist ideology but they're not aware of it and that doesn't necessarily mean that they are like a racist abhorrent person that just exactly means, exactly you know like it's hard it's when you grow up in a society you're going to be affected by it and yeah. that's just what it is and you exactly you grow up hearing certain words and thinking certain groups of people are certain things and these stereotypes and that are just embedded into your mind. And even if you, you know, consciously know that's not true, it'll it'll come out in small ways. And that's not, you know, that's not great, but it's not like, you shouldn't be like cancel. You just should like figure out, figure it out on your own. Exactly. Exactly. It's all about relearning. I mean, it, it can even come from cultures, like just your what the way what your parents think it all it's all tied in with that yeah yeah it's all yeah it's all about relearning and re-educating yourself and if it comes I mean I hope it doesn't come out but if you think certain things like that come to you like just because of what you were taught before that 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 in and of itself is an opportunity for you to be like how can I relearn this and you could even ask other people like you know different races how you can approach it but it's when you don't ask for help when you will always be stuck in that mm-hmm. mindset, no matter how performative your acts are physically to help people. And I think also that is something that I feel like asking someone else of a different race, if maybe you're saying something or a different gender orientation or a different sexual orientation, just in a group that you are not in, if you're doing something that's offensive, I feel like there's also been this thing of like, it's not the other group's work to do to educate someone, Um, which I understand. I understand like the anger and frustration if you're in a marginalized society or not marginalized, marginalized group to have to educate a majority that's kind of like that's been oppressing, oppressive towards you. But from my personal perspective, 
I think that I'd rather tell you than have some other white person tell you what's affecting me. You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't you, yeah. wouldn't you rather hear it from like the, the person like this is a, it's offensive to me and the community that I, I resonate with versus someone else telling you it. But I guess there's, you know, there's authors that have written stuff from different perspectives that I guess that's also yeah. a way to do it. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, it, it, it feels more natural than artificial when someone of like the same like race or the same like, like viewpoint says it to you. But I feel like you also need to know different perspectives if you also like while being forward in terms of racial like or any type of inequality or for justice, I feel like you have to know other people's perspective for you not be closed mind for you to not be closed minded. So you know how to make tactics on how to help those people mm-hmm. understand you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you obviously like what's what what's right and what's wrong is it's morality. Like people know what's right and what's wrong but there's like in like there it's like a, a spectrum where there's people who know the difference between right and wrong but can't what is it can't um flow past the right and they're not in the wrong they're more in like the middle and they, they just need someone to guide them you know what I mean and so the people who guide them you don't understand their perspective instead of just saying you're right and this is wrong and like shutting that mm-hmm. person down you know what I mean you have to yeah. nurse them basically yeah, no, totally, totally, totally. I totally agree. Where I feel like that is something that's missing in mm. online, online forums and online communities. Exactly. All that out. Yeah. Because like nothing is, you know, black and white. Nothing is. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like the older I get and like the more that I like, especially with COVID, like just spending so much time alone, I really learned like, I really learned that everyone is full of contradictions, you know, like. Yeah. If you're, if you're, uh, someone's going to call you a liar, that doesn't mean that you've never told the truth. If you're a truthful person, that doesn't mean you never lied, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's maybe the gray area will become something that we can dive into with social media and see how that. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much, Henry for joining of course. Me today. Um, this was one of my favorite episodes to, to record and to talk oh, to, honestly. Good. Like, I feel like we just touched on so many things and so many interesting topics and I learned a lot from your perspective. So thank you for sharing. Of course. Um, and thank you to everyone that's listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Under the Influence. Henry, I would love for you to send us off and have the last word, anything that you wanna leave with our listeners. Yeah, um, like I said before about social media, um, it is what you make of it. Um, and so don't let social media influence you on what reality is. Make sure to always take a break um, for your mental health, just for your own self-esteem um, and just focus on yourself. And once you get to a place where you feel like you treasure yourself and value yourself without the validation of others, then you're on a good track on social media but if you don't feel that way then definitely just take time for yourself and really learn yourself your self-worth and your validation and how you can do that instead of getting it from an online source thank you everyone stay safe bye